Welcome to this episode of the Greenville Oaks Message Broadcast. The mission of the Greenville Oaks Church is to inspire people to follow Jesus, because we're convinced that following Jesus is the best way of life possible. Find out more about Greenville Oaks at greenvilleoaks.org and connect with us on social media. We would love it if you could rate and review our podcast. It makes it easier for others to find us. And now, on to this week's message with Lead Minister Wade Hodges. Hello, everyone. It's good to see you here today. Also good to know we have friends and family and maybe a few enemies watching online as well. It's good when we can all be together in this way. If you have your Bibles, please turn to or dial into Acts chapter 10, the 10th chapter of Acts. When Heather and I owned and operated a CrossFit gym in Round Rock over a decade ago, we made it a habit to call everyone who worked out in our gym an athlete. Not a customer, not a client, but an athlete. And it was amazing how many people resisted that label. They thought because they had never played a sport growing up or were so out of shape they could barely run around the block, they were not and could never be an athlete. And nevertheless, we persisted in calling them one until they believed it. And when they began to see themselves as athletes, the shift, the transformation was amazing to watch because they also began to think and act and eat and train like athletes. In his book, Atomic Habits, James Clear notes that one of the keys to lasting behavioral change, one of the keys to changing your habits long-term is to change your identity, to change your self-perception, how you describe yourself and think of yourself not only as you talk to yourself, but also as you talk to others. Identity shapes behavior and opens us up to new experiences and opens us up to transformation. I wonder how much of a difference it would make if we all here in this church thought of and described ourselves as missionaries. Now, before you resist that label, let me clarify. By missionary, I'm not talking about those super Christians who take the good news of Jesus to those living in a faraway land. You don't have to cross a border or cross an ocean to be a missionary. Nor do you have to be a professional Christian, a paid member of a church staff. 
In fact, as we're about to see, you don't even have to fully understand the gospel to be a missionary. Simply defined, a missionary is someone who is sent on a mission. And we are all sent. We have all been sent. We are all being sent by God on our own mission. We are sent into offices where you work. We are sent into schools where you attend. We are sent into gyms, soccer fields, into homes and neighborhoods, into restaurants, and even into church buildings. Missionaries are the sent ones, and we have all been sent. We are all being sent. And in this sense, we are all missionaries. And there are a number of good and obvious reasons why it's essential for us to recover and own our identity as missionaries. But today, I want to share a reason with you that many Christians have never considered. But first, a story from Acts chapter 10. Begin reading in verse 1. It says, at Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and regularly prayed to God. So Cornelius and his family fit into that special category of Gentiles called the God-fearers. That means Cornelius believed in and worshiped the God of Israel, performed acts of righteousness, did righteous things, and yet never fully converted to Judaism by obeying all the law of Moses, including circumcision. Cornelius and his family were devout and righteous. They were God-fearers, but They were still Gentiles. And one day at about three in the afternoon, Cornelius had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius! And Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. And then the angel tells him that I want you to send for Peter, who's in Joppa. So he does, and then we move to verse 9. About noon the following day, as Cornelius's men were on their journey approaching the city, Peter, the apostle Peter, went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds, And then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. There were stories in Jewish history about Jewish heroes who died gruesome deaths at the hands of pagan tyrants because they refused to eat anything impure or unclean. This was, for the people of God, a life or death issue. No small matter for Peter. Surely not, Lord. I would never do such a thing. And the voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And this happened three times, 
And immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. And then as Peter is contemplating the meaning of this vision, Cornelius's men arrive. And Peter realizes this vision about food is not about food at all. And he invites them into the home where he's staying. And Peter shows hospitality to Gentiles. And then he agrees to go with them back to Caesarea to Cornelius. And so in verse 23, the next day, Peter started out with Cornelius's men and some of the believers from Joppa went along. And the following day, he arrived at Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. And as Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up, stand up, he said, I am only a man myself. While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. And he said to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. Peter walks into that house and says, you know, I really shouldn't be doing this. My dad would roll over in his grave right now if he knew I was walking into the house of a Gentile. Actually, my dad is still alive. It would kill my dad. Then he would roll over in his grave if he knew what I was doing right now. I really should not be doing this. But Peter goes on, he says, God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. So may I ask, why have you sent for me? Peter's beginning to get the message. And that message has led him out of his comfort zone into Cornelius's house. And now he asks, why am I here? And Cornelius recounts his vision and explains why he's sent for Peter. And then Peter says in verse 34, he says, okay, now I realize, I get it. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. And then Peter begins to preach the good news of Jesus. And he's preaching the good news, telling the story of Jesus. When in verse 44, while he was still speaking, these words about Jesus, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. And then Peter said, can anyone stand in the way of their being baptized with water. Notice how that is a similar question to what the Ethiopian eunuch asked back in chapter eight a couple of weeks ago. Can anyone, anything stand in my way of being baptized? Is there any barrier, any obstacle here? Now Peter's asking the question, can we keep these people from being baptized in water? No, why? Because they have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. There is no arguing with, there is no resisting the Holy Spirit. They have been fully accepted into the family of God. And so Peter says, baptize them in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they ask Peter to stay with them for a few days. 
Question. Whose conversion is this story really about? Is it the story of Cornelius' conversion, or is it the story of Peter's conversion? Now, it's typically described as the conversion of Cornelius. And yes, Cornelius and his family are converted to Christ, the Jewish Messiah, as Gentiles, without first converting to Judaism. This is a huge development in the book of Acts. It's a huge development in the history of the church. This is the Spirit of God moving the gospel forward. This is yet another story of movement. So yes, Cornelius is converted in this story, but if conversion is both an event and a process, then this story is also an essential point in Peter's ongoing conversion. So when Peter walks into Cornelius' house, he gains a deeper and better understanding of the gospel and a better understanding of the God at work within the gospel. Peter learns something he did not know before stepping into Cornelius' house. He realizes when the Holy Spirit comes upon Cornelius and his family, he realizes that the gospel is not just for his fellow Jews or those who have claimed Judaism as their new way of life. It's for people from all nations. His eyes are open to the inclusive nature of God. The gospel is not just for a chosen select few. It is for all. The gospel is for anyone and everyone everywhere. Have you ever had an experience that forced you to go back and read your Bible from a completely different perspective? and rethink what you had been raised to believe and do? Anyone ever had that experience? Oh, I I thought I had it all figured out. I, I thought I knew how all of this worked, but now this has happened, and wait a second. Could it be? When I was in my mid-20s, worked with a little church in the Pacific Northwest, And at that time, I still had a fairly narrow view of the gospel and how the gospel worked and in the kind of churches the gospel did its work in, if you know what I'm saying. And when I accepted an invitation from a friend of mine to mentor some small group leaders for a non-denominational campus ministry that met at a Presbyterian church on a Monday night, I had to rethink my understanding of the gospel. Because I saw God working in powerful ways in ministries and in churches that were not part of the small network of churches I grew up in. And just like Peter and those traveling with him, I could not argue with, I could not resist, I could not deny the transforming power and activity of the Holy Spirit. You know what can mess up a church faster than just about anything? A mission trip. Christians often come back to their home churches for mission trips different. And unlike Vegas, what happens on a mission trip does not stay on the mission trip. 
And this is generally a good thing, although it can be a bit annoying to those of us who didn't go on the trip. Because those who did come back and challenge the status quo. No, 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 you don't understand. When you've seen what we've seen, when you've experienced what we've experienced, we can't just come back here and do normal and do ordinary anymore. We've, we've seen a bigger world. We've seen a bigger God. We've seen a bigger gospel. They can mess up a church. Because few things blow up the box in which we have confined the God of our understanding faster than a mission trip. When Peter walked into Cornelius's house, the Holy Spirit blew up his box. And he and the early church were never the same again. Why embrace our identity as missionaries? Because God uses the mission to change the missionary. God uses the mission to change the missionary. Our theology, our assumptions about the way God works in the world, our certainties about God rarely survive the mission experience. They are challenged, they are changed. Sometimes they are discarded altogether. I have a buddy who, when he was a young man, he thought he had poverty all figured out. He could offer glib, easy answers for how to fix the problem. So simple, so easy. And then he began working with the poor. And he hasn't offered a glib, easy answer since. God uses the mission to change the missionary. In the past, well-meaning Christians have said things like, let's take God to Africa. Let's take God to Asia. Let's take God to that neighborhood on the south side of town. As if we are in charge of where God gets to go. It's not our job to take God anywhere. Jesus didn't say, hey, take me with you. He said, follow me. And in Acts, we have seen repeatedly the church not taking God someplace. We've seen the church struggling to keep up with where God is taking the church. wherever we might think to go, wherever we might think God needs to go, God is already there working in the hearts of those we would hope to reach. God is already there waiting on us to show up so God can teach us something that we need to learn. God was already in Cornelius's house waiting for Peter to walk in so that Peter could learn something that he could have never learned if he'd stayed at home in his comfort zone. In his book on writing well, William Zinzer gives some great advice to aspiring writers and storytellers. And his advice is this. He says, get on the plane. Get on the plane. 
He says, the best writing I've ever done, the best stories I've ever had to tell happened because I was willing to get on the plane and go somewhere. He says, you don't find great stories sitting at home. Just get on the plane. He said, every time I did, I was nervous. Sometimes I was afraid. Sometimes I thought I was wasting my time. But then once I was there, I was always glad I got on the plane. Life-changing mission experiences rarely happen while we're sitting at home or sitting in a church playing it safe. They happen when we get on the plane. Metaphorically speaking, the plane is any experience that takes us outside of our comfort zone. They happen when we leave our comfort zone and go where the magic happens. So as I close this series from the first 10 chapters of Acts, and we'll come back to Acts sometime next year. But as I close this section of the series, I'll leave you with this question. In what ways is God calling you to get on a plane? How is the Spirit of God nudging you, maybe pushing you, maybe pulling you, but sending you outside of your comfort zone? calling you outside of the ordinary, the normal, the predictable, maybe the boring, calling you into the unknown where you are not in control. What is your plane to get on? It's an opportunity to volunteer. Is it saying yes to an invitation to interact with folks that you don't normally interact with? Is it to literally get on a plane and go to another culture? What is that plane that God is calling you to get on that takes you out of your comfort zone? Because wherever God is calling you, wherever God is sending you, God is already there waiting for you. Waiting to show you something new waiting to teach you something about the gospel, about God, about the world, about yourself that you won't learn if you don't go. So don't be afraid to embrace your identity as a missionary. Don't be afraid to get on the plane. Don't be afraid to leave your comfort zone. That's where the good stuff happens. And often it's where God does immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. Would you stand with me, please? And let's read today's benediction. And may, as we read this, may this be our prayer, not for what God is doing out there. May it be our prayer for what God is doing in here. In this room, yes, but also in our hearts. Let's read and pray together. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever go in peace and get on the plane. 
Thank you so much for listening to the message from the Greenville Oaks message broadcast. We hope this message enriched your life and can help you inspire others to follow Jesus because we honestly believe following Him is the best way of life possible. Be sure to connect with us online on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube.